Welcome to Belter, your new go-to audio series chatting to Belter DJs, producers and folk in the electronic music industry from the north. That might be the north of their country, region, city, whatever. This podcast shines a light on us lot up here and plenty more. For the debut episode, I spoke to Gracie T. She's a Sheffield-based DJ and member of collectives Daytimers and The Beatriarchy. We had a chat about their collectives, playing Boiler Room, and a very particular TikTok song that you will not be able to get out of your head after listening to this episode. Trust me, it's been in my head ever since. I really hope you enjoy the episode and let's just jump straight into it. So how's life? How's things with you? Yeah, life is good. Life is busy as it always is for me, but I'm I'm enjoying everything that I'm doing. So I'm trying not to get too burnt out. Before jumping into music, why we're here, on the burnout note, you have a day job, don't you? You're a teacher. I do indeed. I am a secondary school teacher. Is it yeah. secondary school? Mm-hmm. Oh god, that must be intense. It is intense. It's it's also very, very funny. Um, I just I just love the stuff the kids come out with. And I think it's really interesting to see them perceive me because they're like, oh, our English teacher is really weird. She has a <laughs> like a purple mullet. This is really strange. <laughs> that must be so cool, though, because like I loved English in school. If my English teacher was you, I'd be all over it. Do they know you were DJ as well? They- they do know I'm a DJ, um, but I obviously like try and keep it a little bit separate. Um, but yeah, I don't think they quite know the scale of it. They know that I'm a DJ. They think I play a few bars. Kids don't really understand what a DJ is at secondary school anyway. So the whole kind of notion of it is a bit like, oh, yeah, sure, you're a DJ, miss, whatever. <laughs> Hard hitting question here for you because we're going in, right? One song you've got to tell me what is the one song you cannot get out of your head right now that it's been like on the commute to school it's been in your head it's been playing non-stop um I feel like this is a bit meme-y but I am a big fan of them anyway but that that saucy Santana song that has gone viral on TikTok at the moment Material Girl I have been listening to a lot of her tunes (laughs) so I'm like it's okay I'm you know I'm not just following the crowd I already knew who she was but I I do really really love that song (laughs) You know what the material it's one of them it just sits in your head it does and it, it's as well like I mean I've never listened to any of her other things but anyone even says the two words that's it mm-hmm. you're saying it like you're not even Literally. just like yeah oh, mad mad <laughs> I was about to do it then but I was like no no hold it in hold it in <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon do you reckon you'll whack out a remix of it in a set someday maybe I did download it actually the other day I was like I've gotta I've gotta work that in somewhere definitely I think you should I think I'm gonna be listening out now though you know I'm literally (laughs) gonna be here like right you said (laughs) and as well like actually on the DJ now I mean 2021 was mad for you from my observation what do you sort of think's been the best moment of your DJ career if you will so far that you've experienced I get this question quite a lot and I think for me it's more about the people that I've met and the the moments that I've been able to share with people that I literally met on the internet during the pandemic and then 2021 was kind of that opportunity to actually link up with those really cool people and share these really cool moments you know playing like sell out shows across the country with people that I had never even met before which was just wild. Do you think the pandemic sort of I mean 
everyone experienced the pandemic to a crazy degree but do you think the pandemic in a way kind of helped you with your DJing like it provided a different space a different opportunity for you to progress yeah I think so I think when you look at like the collectives that I'm part of like daytimers and the patriarchy they were both things that existed because of the barriers that the pandemic created for people in the music industry and I think it did make us um, try a bit harder to find those connections over the internet that we might not have made if things were all just normal and in person. I feel like in a way it kind of gave us a time to like slow down and use different opportunities and avenues that maybe we haven't explored before. I mean, I know for sure, like when I was isolating, when I had COVID, I, in that 10 days, I believe it was at the time, I discovered so much and so many new people just because I had that time, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was furloughed for absolutely ages um, at the start of the pandemic. So it really did give me that time to just explore more music meet more people um just make that effort like you said and having the time and the energy to do it was really nice yeah absolutely and without touch wood avoiding burnout and <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned your collectives now I'd love to cover these because I'm personally a big fan so tell me a little bit about them so let's start with the patriarchy how what role does that play in your life how did it come about just fill me in so the patriarchy started because I was just getting absolutely fed up of being patronized by straight white cis men on the internet in these music groups on Facebook where everyone kind of flocked to instead of you know going to events and meeting people sharing tunes Um, I'm sure you know the kind of groups I'm talking about where people are just so belittling to women and minorities on there where you can like offer your opinion on something and you will just get like mansplained and it was actually really upsetting me because I felt like I just lost this big part of my life where I use music to interact with people and meet new people learn new things and I just didn't feel welcome in that space anymore so I met Kitty, who I run the patriarchy with over another Facebook group that I ran for um, promoters up north. And we were laughing like, oh, yeah, imagine if we just created our own group. And then we were like, oh, actually, why don't we just do that? Let's just make our own Facebook group. Um, and then fast forward about six months into it, we had about 500 members of this group. Um, a majority were either people who were female identifying, queer black people brown people people of color it was the most representative and safest space on social media platforms for that sort of um use of just sharing music and sharing your own stuff as well that I'd seen and from there it's just grown into this kind of platform to promote as many underrepresented artists as we possibly can I think it's brilliant because I've seen you've had haven't you like radio residencies you've had a couple of festival slots as well right yeah we have um we've got risen festival coming up in April um and a few other things on the horizon so it's it's really blossomed um um me Kitty and Shannon who we also run it with have just kind of poured our heart and souls into it every moment that we have spare we're just trying to grow the platform so that we can raise other people up rather than it being about us promoting our own stuff 
Yeah, completely. Because I remember Beachyaki was one of the first platforms that I found when I kind of got into the industry. I think I stumbled across it like on Instagram or something. And the first thing that I was like hit with was that inclusivity, the um, just the non-judgmental feeling around it, because I feel like as a especially a young person entering the music industry and especially those films that have marginalised groups as well it is intimidating because you see these big men at the top of the food chain, if you will. And you kind of think, well, how the hell am I meant to get into that? You know, and seeing Beachyarchy is kind of like a place with open arms, like, come on, join us. We'll look after you. I think it's so lovely. And I'm really excited genuinely to see where it goes. I think it's brilliant. And then daytimers, tell me about daytimers. Same thing. <laughs> Fill me in. Um, so daytime has started around the same time as the patriarchy. I got like a random Facebook message from this account that had like 20 followers um, from Prov, who's one of the founders alongside Sherwin, who pitched this idea to me of a collective of South Asians in creative industries, not just music, but art and fashion, etc. as well, um, where we could just create a community um that has kind of gone underground or just missing altogether since like the 90s um and from there it's just spiraled um it went from being just five of us on like a little awkward zoom call introducing ourselves from all over the UK to this huge collective um doing these crazy shows and raising like thousands and thousands of pounds for different charities it's all been a bit of a, a whirlwind to be honest that's incredible. And how was that first Zoom call? Because I feel like Zoom calls just define the pandemic. <laughs> they really do. They, they they trigger me. This right now is triggering me. <laughs> back in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was nice. It was the first time actually um, that I'd ever been in a creative space where it was all South Asian people. And I was looking at the screen. I remember the first like proper call we had with um, the wider group of people who started to get involved with us it was just like a sea of brown faces which was just so wholesome and for someone who's from the northeast where I've never grown up around a big South Asian community we literally were the only brown family in the village um it was just really lovely to find that community um especially during the pandemic as well and then Moving forward to 2021, as we seem to have a lot in this conversation, Boiler Room, how how did it come about that you wanted to do back-to-back? Like, are you into your back-to-backs? Do you prefer them or did you just think, you know what, sorry, I'm going to do one? Um, I mean, it is no secret that I do really love back-to-backs. But again, that's because I really use music as a social thing, like most people do. Um, like, it's never really been about wanting the spotlight on me with music I just kind of want to have a good time with my friends and it was Young Singh who was given the opportunity from Boiler Room and he got me and Chande who I did the back-to-back with on it because we were two of the first people in daytimers Um, we've both been independently DJs for quite a long time now Um, and he just gave us that opportunity that really boosted our music career as you can see um, alongside all the others, Suchi, Saatchi, uh, Rohan, um, and Young Singh himself. It was just amazing. It was beautiful. I think that's what the one thing I could really tell from it when I was watching it, and I mean, I've watched quite a few, was just the enjoyment and that, like, 
the the atmosphere that I don't know I don't know the word the just the collective feeling of enjoyment and pleasure after such a time like it really radiated and I suppose in a way as well that's probably why it went down so well and did get the traction that it did oh yeah absolutely like when I was in that moment I I know it sounds bait but I I didn't even consider that the cameras were filming me so when I watch it back there's this one bit where I drop this um baseline tune it's a Dr Cryptic song he's from Sheffield and I literally go to the camera and I'm like Sheffield and I'm like oh my god why did I do that why did I what was I thinking <laughs> it, that's the thing though it's like when you're in the moment like I'd go yeah I think it's brilliant and I mean I remember seeing it go viral I'd followed you for quite a while by this point and then I saw it shared and I was like that's crazy <laughs> but yeah have you ever it's so obviously DJ and there's been some amazing moments and like you say collaboratively being around a community have you ever had a bit of a oh shit moment that went a bit wrong um I think I'm usually quite good at playing it off when I make a mistake I'm one of those people I'm like I didn't do anything wrong it was fine I meant it to go that way it's it's all good so I I'm trying to think I've obviously like done the thing where you cue a song on the wrong deck. I'm sure that's happened before. Um, looped like not enough bars to make it fit properly with what you're blending. We've all been there. Um, but I don't think I've ever done anything horrifically bad. I've had like other people do stupid things during my set and like ruin a set before, which has been very frustrating. Go um, on, fill me in. Okay, so so recently myself and DJ Priya were doing a back-to-back and someone was proper going for it with the dance moves. They were voguing, it was sick, like they were really good, but they walk over to the booth and they do this like really like edgy dance move where they like got both their fists and they slam it on the booth to like, I don't know, just like do like a dramatic pose. And I kid you not, the plugs just shot out of the plug sockets of the CDJs and the whole thing just cut because they hit the decks, like the booth with such force, it just shot the plugs backwards and they just cut. It was stressful. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. And then they just left. They grabbed their drink and were like, sorry. And they left the venue. <laughs> the whole, I mean, that must have been some power. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. It was very impressive to be fair, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was not great. I was not impressed in that moment. Oh my God. Do you think that's one of those things that you'll always look back on and be like, remember when that happened? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were quick, quick thinking on our feet, like, oh shit, quickly one for one. Cause only one CDJ was, was working properly with our USB. So it was, it was a bit stressful, but we sorted it. Um, it's just one of those things. And then as well as obviously a DJ, and I mean, it, it winds in your radio. So you ended your radio show at Tiny Art Crow late 2021, I believe. And that was, was that your introduction to radio, right, on Food Hall? Uh, yeah, so it started on Food Hall Community Radio that um, I set up with some friends over lockdown. And we ran that remotely as just a bit of a way to make people happy in Sheffield because um, Food Hall was such a big, what well, is such a big part of the community in Sheffield. Um, if you don't know, it's a, it's a charity that's trying to nationalise a food service. Um, so they do fantastic work. And the radio was supposed to just be this more lighthearted kind of place for people who'd never been on radio to have their first 
um, exposure to it. And that is how I did my first ever kind of talky radio bit. Um, and it's it's just kind of progressed from there. So it was a nice beginning for radio. What do you think attracted you to the radio? I like chatting a lot of rubbish. Um, and I think as someone like I did an English degree, I'm, I'm an English teacher. Um, it feeds quite nicely into the whole music, English, you know, being able to chat a lot of rubbish on my feet sort of thing. So I, I enjoyed it. And I really like talking about the artists that um, I'm supporting as well. And then after kind of finishing that tiny art career, you announced your BBC Asian Network takeover. Well, we're filming this before February, but when this is out, you will be on the radio. Um, and I want to know if you've got any words for your future self when that does go out, because I've seen that you've started curating them on your Instagram. But what are you saying to your February self when these when this goes out? Ooh, I think enjoy it because at the moment it's a bit stressful. It's kind of working in in an environment with radio that I've never had to do before. It's very regimented. It's you know there's a lot of things you can and can't do. Um, I'm having to like you know censor my songs very very intensely because I've realised I have a lot of songs with naughty words in them and you can't play that on the BBC so <laughs> it is a bit it is a bit tricky um, but I think it will be worth all the the time and effort and stress that I'm trying to to put into it but I think in February Gracie just enjoy it listen to it back and think yeah that's that's nice good job <laughs> and. I mean, you're based in Sheffield, you've been on Sheffield radio stations. You're also resident in Sheffield Hopeworks. So we've got the common thread and obviously Belter, we're all about the North. What's the Northern scene like from a Gracie Tea perspective? I mean, you've you've had a fair crack. What's your views on it? Uh, I really love the Northern scene. Like doing Boiler Room, I've obviously had the opportunity to go down South and... Um, some of the shows I played in Bristol and London were really cool, but it's not the North. The vibe is very different down South. People are a lot meaner, I've noticed, and a lot more snooty at shows. Um, and like, you know, stuff does happen up North as well, but it is it is a different vibe. And it's just kind of cemented to me that, yeah, I'm definitely like, a northern person I won't be moving to London anytime soon um the scene in Sheffield's lovely it's very very tight-knit as well which is nice um Hopeworks is a great venue you've got other venues like Gut Level which is absolutely fantastic um it's just generally quite lovely <laughs> as far as scenes go and you, you mentioned mean obviously mean snooty have you ever had any experiences of people being like that towards you down south oh mate it, it I mean it happens everywhere yeah. but I would say every single show I've played something crap has happened and I think that is the case for all DJs who do not fit kind of that um stereotype of a DJ um you know who might be a person of color or female identifying or trans or queer you know you do get a lot of crap thrown your way and it's rubbish <laughs> to be honest like there's not really any way to to make light of it other than 
when enough time passes you can kind of laugh and think oh you know that was ridiculous but yeah it is wild and I don't think enough people who this sort of thing doesn't affect realize that it's actually happening um you know like I've had people accuse me of not actually DJing of like pressing a recording and then just like pretending to DJ. Um, I've had like bouncers not let me into clubs because they've not believed that I was the DJ. Um, I've had like scary men come behind the decks and like grab my literal head and say like, oh, play, play us some garage love and then feeling, you know, like shit scared, um, like all sorts. And it's not just me, like from talking to people who I've met through collectors like the patriarchy. The nice thing about that is that we know that there's other people who have these experiences and who can kind of understand where you're coming from and how it feels post show to think, oh, that was a really lovely show, but that was terrible or that thing happened and that actually put a a downer on the show. Yeah, 100 percent, because, yeah, like you say, I've heard that story that you've just said there countless countless times and it it's so wrong and horrendous and unfortunately it is not an uncommon experience but that does not normalize it in any way at all now on a slightly brighter note difficult topic to move on from but a bit more positive back up here do you have a favorite venue that you've played up here at all Ooh, a favourite venue. I mean, Hopeworks is always amazing. I have to shout Hopeworks out because they are, you know, one of the, the best venues up north. Um, no Bounce Festival is always amazing. They always put on so many local acts and support northern talent, which is fantastic. Um, I've already mentioned Gut Level, but if you ever have the chance to check out a Gut Level event in Sheffield, that is just the the heart and soul of the Sheffield DIY scene it's queer owned it's just lovely it's just a really safe space to go into um in terms of other venues I haven't to be honest I haven't really played in lots of different cities in the north yet I'm starting to get that opportunity um I played in Leeds recently uh Old Red bus station Old Red uh yeah I know Old Red very well but yeah I'm trying to think where else have I been I don't know. That's a sign. People up north book me because I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Get me there. Do you think, do you have a, like a, a city you'd love to play in up here that you just think that would be really cool? Um, or, or a venue even? I'd really love to play in Manchester more. Um, we did our first daytimers event actually up north recently that myself and Chande ran and that was at Soup. And that was actually, I should have mentioned Soup because that was amazing um that was sick obviously like the white hotel anyone who's from the north knows about the white hotel that is you know the venue to play at um and my good friend dj soy boys just started a a night there which is really really cool um because they don't just let anyone do a night there it's very very hard to run an event at white hotel um so that would that would be the goal if i could make it to white hotel then i've made it Amazing. Well, when you play there, we'll come back to this episode and we'll be like, look, tick, been there, done that. And I mean, kind of similar to the last question, but do you have any kind of personal plans for up north this year? Kind of like, oh, I'm going to try get a gig there or I'm going to try do this up here. Anything like that? 
Well, we do have a few events in the works for both the Beatriarchy and Daytimers. I am very, very keen to put on a Sheffield Daytimers event, and I think that will soon come. Um, same with the Beatriarchy. We have something in the diary, uh, which hopefully should be appearing soon on your social media platforms. Um, nice. Yeah, I just want to start doing more events because I feel like I get booked a lot and that's nice. But I'm a bit of a control freak and I do like to be in charge of things and, you know, make an event the way you would want to go to an event. Um, so yeah. definitely keep an eye out for more events that I'll be running myself and promoting rather than playing them. Amazing. Well, we'll keep a very close eye. And in the description of this, I will pop little links too. So not to worry on that one. Um, and finally, just to end, because I couldn't not ask you this. Where on earth do you buy your eyeshadow from? Because that stuff looks so incredible. I'm not alone in saying I want to know how you do it, how it stays on. Please fill me in. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I do get a lot of a lot of people asking me about this. So my secret, and especially as someone who's brown and has spent their lives um, not being able to get eyeshadow to show up on my skin, Fenty Beauty Primer, the eyeshadow primer, is how I get it popping. That is literally it. Wow. I can use any eyeshadow palette. It can be like Revolution Superdrug to like a Juvia's Palace palette or whatever. Fenty Beauty Primer is the one. There you go. There you go. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. I wish. <laughs> so there you have it. Belter in conversation with Gracie T. I'm still trying to work out how that person managed to unplug the CDJs with pure brute force, to be honest, and I know I'm definitely not the only one. If you enjoyed this episode of Belter with Gracie, I'd absolutely love it if you could give it a rate, download or subscribe however you access your podcasts. Share it on your social media and give us a tag so I can see, or simply drop me a message if you enjoyed it. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Neve Ingram with an underscore between the N and the I. Thank you ever so much for listening to the first episode of Belter and a huge thank you again to Gracie for joining me. I will see you next time, precisely two weeks today. <laughs>